Thanks for watching today. I want to remind you that if there's anything that you need prayer for, don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. In today's message on faith, Pastor Dwayne is telling us how faith connects you. It's the bridge between the natural world and the spiritual world. Let's take a look at what that really means. Well, today I want to continue this morning and tonight talking to you about the subject of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him or to please God. So you, can, you, you will not connect with God because you're in trouble. You will not connect with God because of your feelings. The way you connect with God, the way you please God, the way you receive from God, the way you have fellowship with God is through faith. You've got, that, that's where it starts. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot connect, receive, fellowship with God unless you have faith. And fortunately, God did not leave us without a way to get faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now we can say it like this. Faith is the currency of heaven. Right? In the United States, you need to spend dollars. In Mexico, you got to spend pesos. Right? You go to Israel, you're spending shekels. Right? But if you're going to receive something from God, if you're going to deal in the heavenly economy, it works on faith. It's the only currency that works in heaven, is faith. So what it really does is faith will take what's in the heavenly realm and cause it to be manifested in the earthly realm. Faith is the bridge from the natural to the spiritual world. God's world operates on faith. Without it, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, notice two things, must believe that he is. Right? No atheist has faith. You must believe that he is. And listen, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, it makes a difference when you pray. It makes a difference when you seek God. It makes a difference when you worship. It makes a difference when you come to church because God is a rewarder. God said, the first thing you need to know is I exist. Second thing is that it makes a difference because I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The currency of the spiritual realm, the currency of heaven, it's faith. Mark 5 tells us about a woman says she had an issue of blood for 12 years. You know, when, when something's been in your life for 12 years, you may feel like it's permanent. Right? Another time the Bible talks about a woman who has been over for 18 years. Right? But faith changed both of those situations. And this woman with the issue of blood, she hears about Jesus, and the Bible says she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. In fact, some translations say it like this. She just kept on saying. She just kept on saying. If I can just get to him and touch his garment, I will be made well. She goes by. She touches his garment. Now look, the Bible says there's multitudes of people around him. All kinds of people are touching Jesus. Nothing's happening. But she touches him. And the Bible says that virtue or power came out of Jesus, went into her body, and healed her. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Finally, she comes forward and explains everything. 
And this is what Jesus said to her. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. A lot of people had needs, but the person that received was the person who had and used their faith. In Luke chapter 5, it says, uh, verse 17, it says that on a certain day, Jesus was teaching, and there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now notice, they've come out of every town in Galilee and Judea, and they've come from Jerusalem. There's, there's hundreds of people there. And the power of the Lord is present to heal them. But notice, as we read on, that none of them get healed. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but them did not get healed. Right? Because them didn't have any faith. I know that's bad English, but you catch it, right? <laughs> them had no faith. So, the power of the Lord is present to heal them, and behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Whom when they had sought to bring in and lay before him, they couldn't get, find a way. They could find no way to bring him in because of the crowd. So they went on the rooftop, moved some tile. They let him down on his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, the man, your sins are forgiven you. Now it says he saw their faith. Now, he's talking about the four guys, right? Well, they had to have faith. And you say, how could you know that they had faith? Because it takes faith to climb on a roof, take off the tile, and let somebody down on ropes. If you don't think anything's going to happen, you're not going to do anything. They had faith. Jesus saw their faith. And the man had faith. You say, how do you know that? Well, because I don't know any paralytics who are letting somebody haul them up on a roof. They're like, I'm already bad enough. You drop me and it's going to be worse yet. All right? So this guy, he lets them haul him on the roof and let him down on ropes in front of Jesus. See, their faith was visible. Now, the power of the Lord was there to heal all these scribes and Pharisees, but none of the scribes and Pharisees got healed. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And then he tells the man, pick up your bed and go home, right? And he does, and he's healed, right? So faith is the currency that works in heaven. Now, Jesus said this in Luke 18. He said, when the Son of Man comes, I mean, oh, Jesus is coming again, right? Every New Testament author talks about the return of Jesus, everyone. Will he find faith on the earth? Will he even find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying, when I come back, faith is going to be a rare commodity. When, I think it's interesting. He said, will he find it? You know, God is looking for faith. Smith Wigglesworth said, God will pass over a million people to find one with faith. Right? So Jesus said, when he's coming back, he's going to be looking for what? For faith. And faith is different than what most people think it is. Most people only really understand one side of faith. Let me read a little bit of that in Hebrews 11. Through faith they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant 
in battle turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. But listen, this is also by faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain by the sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the desert and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, they walked in faith. You know, there's times where faith will stand up against culture. Where culture says, we're going this way, but faith says, no, God's going a different direction, and I'm going with faith. And you can be rejected, you can be put aside, you can be persecuted, you can be ridiculed. The Bible says that, that some of them actually lost their lives, others of them, they says they're wandering about because they had lost everything that they had, and they threw faith. They threw faith. They were living by faith, by faith. And then it says, did not receive the promise. They didn't receive the full promise that God had made. In fact, the Bible said about Abraham that he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for that heavenly city, Jerusalem, to come down. It says, God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What that's saying is this, that ultimately Jesus is going to come back. And if you're alive, you're going to be caught up to meet him and you're going to be changed. Your physical body is going to be changed. It's going to become a, a glorified body. But if you've died, you're going to be resurrected, physically resurrected and be with Jesus. The Bible says, so we will meet him in the air and we shall forever, everybody say forever, forever. ever be with him forever be with him. The ultimate goal of our faith, when Jesus comes back, right? faith thrives in hard times. Faith is, is not just for good days or Sundays. Right? Faith is for troubled times just as well. Times of, if we can say it this way, times of holy discomfort. Right? Now, I, I think you know that if I was going to make a statement here, there is nothing worthwhile that's easy. If it's worthwhile, it's always going uphill. I remember when I married Jeannie, I thought marriage was going to be easy. And some of you, you're not married, so you don't get it. But the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 7, those who marry will have trouble. Yeah. And you don't even need to pray about that verse. It just works out that way. <laughs> when the two become one, there's just, there's just some trouble that shows up. All right? But nothing of value comes without effort. Right? David fought Goliath. Now, that was faith not for easy times. It was faith for hard times. Abraham, the Bible says, had to leave the Ur of Chaldees. Now, he's living in Ur of the Chaldees which 4,000 years ago, scholars tell us, was the most modern city on planet Earth. They, they had an underground sewer system all through the city, beautiful for the, for the day and age. And God said, I want you to leave and live in a tent. 
How many of you ladies would like living in a tent for the rest of your days? And, and, and go to the place I'm going to show you. And Abraham says, well, like, where are we going to go? And, and God says, well, I'll just show you as we go. You know, the Bible says that his word, it's a light to your feet. In other words, God's just going to show you your next step. We want airplane landing lights. We want to see what's coming way down the road. All right. But very seldom does God show you what's coming way down the road. All right. Because if he did, you'd chicken out. All right? But he'll just show you the next step. And what is that, that does is it keeps us dependent on God. We're, we're constantly dependent on God. We're constantly living by faith. Moses, the Bible says, he forsook Egypt and said, I'm going to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, Moses was part of the royal family. Anything that money or prestige or position could have, he had it. But he forsook it all. How many know that wasn't an easy choice? Wasn't an easy choice. Noah built an ark to save his family. Now, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And it also mentions that God spoke to him when he was 500 years old. And he went into the ark when he was 600 years old. So in other words, he built the ark for 100 years. During which time, the Bible says he's a preacher of righteousness. He's preaching all the time. He's got this illustrated sermon. He's right behind him. He's building the ark, saying there's going to be a flood. And you know how many people believed him? Zero. For 100 years, he did not have one call. That's a lot of altar calls with nobody responding, I'm telling you. Right? But he just kept on going. It wasn't an easy thing to do. Jesus went to the cross. How many know that wasn't an easy thing to do? Right? Faith is not just for Sundays and easy times. Faith thrives in a challenge. That's when it will thrive. Now, the other thing about, about your faith is it's not just meant to bless you. In 2 Corinthians, first chapter, third verse, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the suffering of Christ abounds in us, so also our consolation also abounds through Christ. So here's what that means. That means when you go through a hard time and God comforts you and God delivers you and God gives you victory and God's grace comes on you, it's not just for you. God wants to use you to minister to people that are going through the same thing that you're going through, right? You may have had, you, you may have been an addict, drugs or alcohol, and God delivers you. But what God wants to do is he wants to use you to minister to people who have addictions to drugs or alcohol. You may have gone through a very difficult marriage and God saw you through, right? God wants to use you to take that same comfort, that same anointing, that same grace that came on you, and he wants you to minister that grace to other people. You may have lost a loved one, and God wants to use the same comfort and grace that he put on you. He wants to use you to minister that same grace and comfort to other people. The test of your life can become your testimony. The most miserable thing you ever went through 
can become your ministry. Right? When the grace of God comes on you. Now, about 250 years ago, there was a captain of a slave ship. He had been brought up, his mother was a, was a Christian. She had been converted under John Wesley. And he had walked away from God. He knows what he's doing is wrong. But he has got a ship full of slaves from Africa, and he's out on the Atlantic Ocean. And that hit a tremendous storm. And he believes the ship is going down, and he's going to die. And he cries out to God, and he says, God, I know what I'm doing. It's an abomination to you. He said, but God, if you will just save me. He said, I'll turn my back on everything. Everything I'm doing, I will serve you all my life. He get through it. And true to his word, Captain John gets out of the slave industry and literally dedicates his life to fighting slavery. He wrote a song, by the way, that some of you know. In fact, we just sang part of it today. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Well, as he begins to speak out against slavery, he, he meets a young man by the name of William Wilberforce. And he begins to mentor and befriend William Wilberforce and talks to him about the evils of slavery. William Wilberforce is a very young man, goes into to, to Parliament. He, he becomes part of the, 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 one of the, the, the parties in England and in, in 1791, he puts forth a bill to end slavery in not only Britain itself, but in all of the colonies. It's soundly defeated. And uh, with John Newton's mentoring and befriending and, and help, he ends up saying, this is the cause of my life. And finally, in 1833, they finally pass a law outlawing slavery in Britain and all of the colonies. And, and by the way, uh, Wilberforce dies three days later. But he said that was the purpose of his life. The purpose of his life. You know, the, the grace that came on John Newton to, to, to be free from what had him bound, he used to minister to other people. That's exactly what God wants to do with you and me. The thing that was your test, the thing that was your misery, where God came in, and moved in your life, God wants to use that same grace, that same anointing, that same comfort in your life to minister to other people. Uh, Jeannie and I met in Dallas and, and uh, got married and went to school together our, our last year as a married couple. Uh, but we, we actually, I was 23, you were 21, and uh, we moved to Mexico. We haven't been, we, we celebrate our first anniversary marriage anniversary in Mexico, and we started a church. Six months later, we had to leave Mexico because we, we were on tourist papers. It was illegal to be a missionary at the time, so we had to leave and go get new papers. And while we were gone for 10 days, a guy by the name of Lucio, now just, just say that, Lucio. You know that's evil, Lucio, like Lucifer, you know. Well, well, he came and, and he split the church. Now, we had like 120 university students 
in the, in the church. Practically everybody in the church was a university student. And uh, we, we literally, we lost half of them. And I remember getting back and, and I thought, my, I, I, I've got to do something. And, we, and I'm, I'm knocking on doors and, and uh, people would slam the door. They'd cuss at me. And people spit in my face, just saying the terrible things. In fact, one of, the, one of the things that this guy said was that we worked for the CIA. You know, and at the time, there was a lot of really bad feelings with uh, Mexico and the United States, particularly with, with younger people. And I remember I went to this one door, knocked on the door, and we had won this girl to the Lord. And, and she opens the door. She sees me. She just starts saying just horrendous things, cussing at me, spits in my face, slams the door. And I went out to our van, and, and I remember putting my, my hands on the steering wheel, and I'm just sobbing uncontrollably. And, and I said, this is what I said to her. I said, God, I, I said, I quit. I said, I cannot do this. I said, I, I, I am the worst pastor that you have ever had in the church in 2,000 years, and I just cannot do this anymore. And there was this, this little uh, kind of like this verse just kind of bubbled up. Ever have a verse just kind of just come out of nowhere? And, and the verse, it, it was from the, the Sermon on the Mount. And this verse said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For so persecuted the prophets, so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. And great is your reward in heaven. And I remember just going, oh. <laughs> I was not convinced, you know. I was just not convinced. And, uh, and, and literally, you know, Jeannie's prayers and the, the grace of God, we stayed. Um, today, I have such a heart for pastors that are struggling because of what I went through. The comfort, the grace, what God did for me. He wants to use me to minister to people that go through the same thing. And the exact same thing is true in your life, right? See, by faith, we receive that from God. But by faith, we take what God has given us and we use that to minister to other people. Our faith is not just for us. Our faith is to bless others. Right? Now, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln made this statement. He said, the struggle of today is not just for today. The struggle of today is not just for today. Right? So the struggle that you're in today is not just about today. Right? It, it, it's not really even just about you. Right? Because when God delivers you, when God puts his mercy and his grace and his anointing on you, all right, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect the people that you affect, right? In fact, it's supposed to just continue on. In fact, this is what God said to Abraham. He said, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In other words, what I'm doing in you is not going to just bless you. It's going to go way beyond you. You know, when David fought Goliath, this is what David said. He said, today, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to take your head. And I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, that all the world may know that there is a God in Israel. Right? It wasn't about David. It was about 
making his name glorious. All right? And so David kills Goliath. And when the Philistines see that their, their hero is dead, they run. And the Bible says when Israel sees, they all chase. All right? And the Israelites go and they defeat the Philistines. So David's victory was not just about David. David's victory was so God's name would be glorified. And David's victory didn't just give him victory. David's victory gave all of Israel victory. Right? Your faith is not supposed to just affect you. Your faith is going to affect others. Your faith is to affect your family. Your faith is to make his name glorious. All right? Moses forsook Egypt, but his faith didn't just affect him. His faith affected the entire nation of Israel. Abraham again. Yeah, he left Ur, but his faith just didn't affect Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because in him all the families of the earth are blessed. Jesus, literally by faith, went to the cross. And how many of you know that faith didn't just affect him? It affected you. It affected me. Now, faith is never passive. Faith is always moving. Faith is always doing. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 5, it says, faith working through love. Faith is working. Faith is doing something. That's why Jesus said, so let your light shine before men. You know, faith isn't passive. You're doing something, right? People see you doing something, and what happens? They glorify your Father who is in heaven. And if, if you, in my, in my mind at times, I, I look at, at Christians and and I kind of think like we're in three groups. Some of us are museum keepers, right? And when I say that, that's what I mean. We're talking about man in the, in the 70s. Man, God, we had the charismatic renewal, and God was moving, and there was this, and there was that, and there were people getting saved, and we were casting out devils, and man, things were happening in the 70s, and God was moving in the 70s. And I remember 40 years ago when I knelt down and I prayed, and man, I'm, the carpet right there is holy because, man, I got saved right there, you know. We're talking about what happened yesterday. Right? And then there's settlers. Right? And settlers, they're just content. Right? They let things be. They're kind of like, you know, I won't bother the devil. The devil won't bother me. I'll just make agreement with the devil. Just kind of cruising along, kind of complacent in their Christianity. They just say, everything's good. Just leave me alone. Don't expect anything out of me. Just kind of on cruise. Now, how many of you realize that, that faith is always doing something. It's like you're going upriver, you're in a canoe, and you got to paddle to get upriver. How many of you know when you're in the canoe and you stop paddling, what happens? You're going backwards, all right? And the same thing is true in our Christian life. You cannot put it on cruise. Right? You just, you can't say, I'm taking a vacation because faith doesn't take vacations, all right? And then there's the pioneers, all right? And the pioneers are always looking ahead. They're always saying, you know, God's going to do great things. This is what we're going to do in the kingdom of God. We're moving ahead. It's like the psalmist said. He said, deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. He's saying, my, the, the, my spirit, the deep in me, is calling out to the deep in the spirit of God and saying, take me deeper. Bring me farther. Use me more. All right? I want to pray more. I want to serve more. I'm going to sacrifice more. I'm going to win more people to Jesus. I'm going to give more. I'm going deeper and deeper in God's purpose, in God's plan, in what God has for me. Right? That's the pioneer. Keep on moving ahead. 
You know, the, the, literally, the motivation of our faith should be to bring glory to God. Jesus said that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Again, David said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. The reason we're here is to make his name famous, make his name glorious. If the only purpose was to get you to heaven, literally, we should bring the baptismal tank in, bring people up, dunk them, keep them under. <laughs> Send them to heaven. <laughs> that way they can't blow it. I mean, we just, we just send them right there. But how many realize God has a purpose for you? And it's to make his name glorious. Not your name. His name glorious. Now, literally for that to happen, all right, you might have to get stretched some. You might do, need to do some inconvenient things at some inconvenient times. Right? How many realize disciples do inconvenient things at inconvenient times? All right. It's just not when it works out for me, all right? Because we're here to make his name glorious, right? That's the reason we're here. And no cost is too great to make his name known through our lives. Nothing should be too inconvenient, too uncomfortable, or stretch us too far. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, may the Lord be magnified. You know, every one of us, we should be saying continually, may the Lord be magnified through my life. May he be magnified through my life. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we could put in parentheses behind that, your kingdom come, your will be done in and through my life. That's what God wants. He wants to use you to bring the kingdom so that people look at your life and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to look inside and tell me, are you right with God? You know, some people, we, we've done so many things to be right with God, but yet we don't have peace. We don't know we're forgiven. You know, and the Bible tells us to know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we're right with God. We're supposed to know. And if you don't know, if you say, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right with God or I know I'm not right with God, but I want to be, I, I want to tell you there's two things that God wants from you. First, really, he wants to give you something. He wants you to receive forgiveness. And secondly, he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I want to pray a prayer with you right now to receive the forgiveness that God offers you and to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're not right with God right now, I want you to just close your eyes, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Today, I receive your forgiveness, and I surrender my life to Jesus. I hold nothing back, and I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a book called Your New Life, full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you as a gift, free of charge. Right? All you need to do, get online and download that book. It's going to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Faith Connects You, in the WBF store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the on-demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv. We love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith in your life. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Next week, we'll be taking a look at how faith changes you. We'll see you then. Have a great week.